This episode is brought to you by the Nordstick, the number one way to train your hamstrings anywhere at any time. The number one injury burden in the game of soccer is, you guessed it, hamstring injury. What better way to prevent this than using the Nordstick? From endless Nordic curl variations for your hamstrings, to other lower body exercises, to even upper body and core exercises, you name your goal and the Nordstick can help you get there. Use the link in the description to learn more and get 10% off. Once again, use the link in this episode's description for 10% off. What's up, soccer players? Welcome to this latest episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience. It's me, your host, Andy. Uh, Today, we have a very, very special podcast here. We have Jonathan Nunez, who is a student down at my alma mater, Duke University, Doctor of Physical Therapy program. Uh, Jonathan, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing good, Andy. Thank you for having me. Of um, course, you know, of since, course. Since I came to Duke, I, I stumbled upon your soccer profile, and I was like, this guy knows what he's doing, and, and I tried to follow some of your footsteps, and I remember asking you for advice for a lot of things that I did during the program and even uh, you know, when I was doing residency application and all that. So I appreciate all the help that you've given me. And I'll, I'll play it forward once I'm in a position like you are right now. Yes, sir. You, you're already in that position, man. You're, you're here. You're about to give some valuable advice to not only the soccer players and um, the soccer coaches out there, but as well as other sports PT students. Um, anybody who's looking for that next opportunity, hopefully this this episode can give you some valuable insight and advice because you've done a lot of big things and we're going to discuss them. And the the biggest thing of our conversation today is the time you are spending at the University of Virginia with their women's soccer program. And um, for those who aren't really familiar with the whole soccer landscape in, in terms of the collegiate world, UVA is is a powerhouse, uh, both historically and as well as currently. Um, and yeah, we, we would just love to hear your experience with them, how you kind of got into them, uh, what your day-to-day is like, and overall what your experience is about. Well, first of all, I, I got in because I had the way Duke does their match process. I just had a good, um, you know, a good pick because um, we just draw numbers and I had a good number and that's how I got the rotation. Uh, it's open because one of the uh, the Duke grads, uh, her name's Carly. She she studied at UVA and she uh, worked with the UVA staff to try and make this a possibility. She was the first one, and now I'm the second student that UVA has in their program. And since I got there, I I honestly soccer wasn't a thing that I that I knew a lot about before coming in and I, I didn't know all the things about, you know, UVA as a powerhouse and soccer. And I didn't know all the, the intrinsic things that, you know, uh, happen in the sport. Anyway, I got there. Uh, my mentor's name is Bill Parente. He's one of the smartest person I've ever met in the sports world. Guys really smart. It's one of the best mentors I've ever had. And in terms of sports, he's been in the field for more than 20 years. So, Learning from him has been one of the uh, most grateful things I've, you know, uh, I'm thankful for. Uh, let's go. Can I talk about a day to day? Wake up seven, six, six thirty a.m. Practice at eight thirty. I gotta be there an hour before. 
we got to set the fields for for the athletes so that takes about 30 minutes and then we're in the training room athletes come in they start stretching they start doing if they have like history of ankle injuries they're doing uh, activation exercises if they have a hamstring injury same thing so they warm up a little bit all the taping occurs there i'm still practicing my taping that's not something (laughs) (laughs) hard we all hard we every pt we will always be uh, slightly mediocre at taping compared to our other sports medicine counterparts, but um, we try. We try. Yeah, disclaimer: I don't tape the athletes. I leave that because I'm I, I'm also with the uh, so Bill is a ATPT, and so he has athletic training students, and also I'm the only PT student there. So they do most of the taping. I tape whenever they're not going to practice, and I'm practice like I just practice my taping with them, but. Uh, you know, Division One athletes, and they they've been getting taped for a long time. And once if you do it and you do it wrong, they'll they'll tell you. Uh, they certainly will. Yep. So they go to practice. They practice every day. Uh, they have field practice of, except Wednesdays, and they have gym practice. So gym training from they have Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So field practice starts at eight thirty. And what I do there, I, I have some of the injured athletes are working with me while the team is, you know, doing, doing their own thing and treating ACL injuries and other acute injuries that happen when, when they're practicing. And so they might have one, two practices with me and they're, they're cleared and they can, you know, practice again with the team. Uh, so that's that, that this experience, you know, it's my third rotation. So Bill has uh, trust in me and uh, with the athletes and I have, you know, whenever I have a question like Bill, I, I think we uh, we can modify this and this. And it's more of a from being an instructor at first when I started my rotation, Bill has been more of a mentor. So this that's why this experience has been uh, really, really good for me in terms of my growth as, as a clinician. So hmm. work with the athletes, create all the training programs. If, if I have to all the injured athletes, I have my CSCS. So uh, if I have a, an athlete that is not with a strength coach, I can do uh, some modifications and then get them back to, to training with a strength coach. And yeah, that's that's mostly what I what I do there. Been learning a lot, and the the most I would say one of the most interesting things is how these programs use their catapult data to track you know the 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 workload the volume, the intensity, and how they use that for injury prevention and how they use that for, you know, injured athletes that are coming back. It's, it's just really, what can I say? It's just insane. It's insane. Can you tell us more about that process and how you guys actually use that data? So, well, uh, they, they had a, uh, a guy, his name is Peter. I don't, I don't know his last name. I just know like Peter. If, if you're into soccer and you're here in this podcast, uh, everyone talks wonders about you at UVA. <laughs> so you, it, Peter helped a lot with the catapult data, and he he ended up transferring to. And now he's with one of the MLS teams. I don't, I don't know exactly where because I, I, I didn't, I never met Peter. Just know about him because he was the one that calculated all the data. And, you know, made all the reports so coaches could understand what was happening with the athletes. And so right now they're 
they are quantifying the data, but uh, in terms of the process of, you know, cleaning up that data and making it look pretty so the coaches and everyone can understand what's happening, that's that's one of the uh, difficult stuff. And especially that, that, that just happens. The most important time in which you need to do that is for 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 the season when you're in season right now it's their uh spring semester so they're not playing and it's not really that important but what's important you know it's just how um, what's the volume how much are they running how fast are they running and what we can do in order to you know not if if we're doing a periodization for them not to just load 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 and never get a recovery week so uh as i was saying the catapult data it's extremely important, and right now we we you know the, the UVA is trying to figure out the how to play with the data and how to present it to coaches and you know some of the staff are right now working on that. But at the moment, since Peter was the the person that was in charge of doing that, uh, the most important way the most important thing for calculating the load and the volume and all those things that he did for the staff were during the game so during the season right now they're in the spring semester so calculating the data is important but not as important it's just as saying okay so we've been running about five kilometers uh, in practice so we we can't keep going like five six seven eight nine ten and never taking you know a deload week so that's that's what they're looking right now and that's how they're looking at the data and the staff, I you know the 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 coaching staff is great at at taking into account whatever you know we say as the as the let's say the rehab staff, and they always implement if if something happens with one of the athletes, they always implement all the things that we we use to monitor load and for injury prevention. So it's great having a staff that listens to you, and I think it's it's part of uh, having a great professional or semi-professional in this case organization. Gotcha. Now, what are the, some of the differences that you notice and you see day to day in terms of not the, the quality of care given to an athlete in a collegiate environment, but more of the, the delivery of it? How, how is it different in a collegiate setting versus a standard outpatient clinic? Um, Glad you asked that question because uh, right now I'm treating an athlete, uh, ACL injury, and and when I when I got to UVA, I'm used to you know I'm used to treating an ACL injury twice a week, maybe three times. That's it. But now I have this athlete where I have her for uh, so that's going to be one, two, three, four, nine training sessions a week. Which it's like I, I have a lot of time with you, so I'm you're not gonna if let's say you were in the first phase of the ACL uh, injury timeline uh, or recovery timeline, you're not gonna be doing straight leg races as you know as it's all set in the in the timeline and or how how I learned it. You're probably gonna advance a little bit faster than than someone that's going to that's just going to a PT clinic. And same thing happens in this phase because this athlete's already past the nine-month mark. So we're doing a lot of 
I'm glad because we're doing, I got here uh, during January, so we're doing a lot of the fun stuff. And I can actually sit down and write a plan and periodize, okay, this is how much we're going to do in the weight room. This is how much we're going to be running by by exactly the, the meters and and the volume that we're going to have. And so I can work a lot with those things and I can give the athlete a better chance of, you know, recovering. And I can look at a lot of things that I can't do in the clinic. And apart from that, if something happens, if the physician's right there, like where we have the, the athletic training room, the physician's right there. So if something happens, they can just go to the physician. If uh, something happens with, I'd say I have a, had one with some hip problems a few weeks ago and just uh, had some positive uh, hip, uh, some hip pathology testing. And we're like, okay. Uh, let's just go to the ortho and and check it out, and maybe just take some some imaging or something, and see if something's happening if, or if it's concerning or not. And it's just, you know, it's like I, I'd say it's like the heaven of the PT world. <laughs> <laughs> now let's let's flip it. Are there anything in ter- is there anything in terms of the same thing care delivery that is easier to do in an outpatient clinic than it is in a collegiate environment. Um, I would say from my experiences, it's very difficult to replicate what I can do here at the collegiate environment to be able to replicate an outpatient clinic. I'm not saying that, you know, it's not beneficial to go to an outpatient clinic, but at this level and all the resources that we have here, it it's more beneficial for the athlete. Let's say the athlete gets injured, one of our athletes gets injured, has rehab with us, and having to go to a to an outpatient clinic. So I can't so I can't play devil's advocate on that one. Mm, okay. All right. Fair. 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 Um, how about this? We will take a quick break, and when we get back, we have a few more topics to discuss. We have. Um, what you're currently doing with your company, your experience with physical therapy residency, as well as a lot of other things that are hopefully coming down in your pipeline in the future. So don't go anyway. We'll be right back. VTruve is a reliable, affordable, and easy-to-use velocity-based training system that allows sports medicine staff to monitor and evaluate an athlete's performance in the gym. There are so many scientific papers supporting velocity-based training, showing how athletes can get stronger, more powerful, and reduce their injury risk. Most of all, it's one of the best ways to maximize athlete intent during a fitness or rehab session. Check out the link in the description to learn more about VTruve today. This episode is brought to you by Team Builder. If you're a physical therapist, fitness coach, or personal trainer, you need to know that Team Builder is the number one app for exercise prescription. Whether you're working with a few clients one-on-one as a side hustle, or you're working with hundreds of athletes in an academy setting, there's no better app to prescribe exercises for remote or in-person training than Team Builder. As someone who's used Team Builder for over two years, I can wholeheartedly say it saves me time and helps my clients perform at their best. As a bonus, Team Builder is offering a 12-week soccer strength and conditioning program that comes with your 14-day free trial. This program focuses on increasing strength, power, and speed, all while reducing risk of injury. Head over to teambuilder.com 
and sign up with the code SFE to get started. All right, we are back on the soccer fitness experience. Um, let's kind of go backwards a little bit. So um, you, you've had a lot of cool opportunities as a PT student thus far, um, especially in the sports world. What kind of opportunities did you pursue before coming to this opportunity you have now? And how did you end up getting them? Uh, some of the opportunities that I had. So uh, first I had a lot, some opportunities before getting, uh, you know, right into before I was accepted at Duke. So I had some sports opportunities there and we can talk about that later. But while I was at Duke, I, I, the first year, so I moved from Puerto Rico. So I, I've only been the United States for two years. My first language is Spanish. So the first year I, I tried to get involved in some things, but it was hard for me because I was managing a lot of the, you know, I could understand whatever my professors were saying in English, but whenever we went into a social environment, it was a bit difficult. You know, it's just, it's different. Culture is different in the United States and it, it is in Puerto Rico. So that was a bit overwhelming, but I'd say by my second year, also the workload is a bit, little bit less. So I was able to, I was coach for the club basketball team at Duke was one of the best and most uh, the most fun I've had at Duke. The players actually right now I was at in North Carolina, went to one of their practices and practiced with them. And it's really fun, you know, to get to know a lot of the guys and we share similar passion uh, for the sport of basketball. So that was one of the experiences that I had. I also, you know, I was club leader from for the rehab to perform club. So that's, you know, I think uh, I would, you know, if you have a club that's in sports and you're a student, I would, you know, try to get involved because that's that's a way in which I started to meet some other um, professionals in the field by, you know, just inviting them to be in some of our lectures, which you were actually one of those professionals that was invited to one of the lectures. Um, <laughs> and that's how we met. And now we're here, you know? So that's, that's uh, I would say, at least two of the things that I did at Duke. I did uh, right now at the top of my mind. I did performance testing for the uh, Duke basketball team. So, and congrats to the Duke basketball team, ACC champs. That's against right. Against UVA. UVA, that's right. <laughs> Make sure you tell everybody on Monday when you go back. Unfortunately, I can't, I can't wear blue, but if I could, I would. <laughs> At least I can't mm, wear Duke. That's, that's, that's unfortunate i hope you have that little duke d on your your keyboard um that you got from school but uh <laughs> please continue <laughs> yeah uh i got i i honestly i got some really good sports experience i also did some of the performance testing for the fifa uh center of medical excellence that duke has and and i could have i i could say that i could have done a bit more but i'm also focused on on my on my company or where it used to be my company because it's right now I'm just posting on Instagram and, and, you know, focus on what I'm doing there. So that also takes time from what I'm able to do outside of school. Yeah. So tell us more about your company and what you do and um, how it's going to help advance the, the field of basketball into the future. Well, I, I wouldn't, so I, you know, basketball, it's, it's my main sport because I know a lot about it, but I, I'm interested in every sport and soccer is one of the sports since I'm here at UVA that I'm very interested in. And the reason, the, the reason why I opened the company at first was because I'm from 
Puerto Rico and the you know the resources we have there can't be compared to the resources that are here in the states. One of the things that we don't have back home is basketball stats. Same with soccer stats. We don't we don't have the 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 stats for tracking players. And so I submitted a proposal to the government of Puerto Rico, and they they gave me a grant to build a statistical uh, database for basketball player stats. So. Uh, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, steals, assists, blocks, and and everything because they're just tracking points and points per game. And if you're a point guard, which I used to play basketball in high school, then I I did track in college. Uh, if if you're a point guard and you're averaging maybe nine points per game, or you're averaging ten assists per game, that's really good, you know. But if you're just tracking points, then then they're not going to be coaches are not going to be able to see your potential. So the reason I started the company was just to try and get more players recruited. That's that's the that's the main goal. Just try to get more players recruited, and it it goes to you know Puerto Rico has a lot of lack of education in terms of the recruiting process. So that's that's something that I talk about in my Instagram page. And my Instagram page is in Spanish. It's everything is in, in Spanish. I'd say at least like ninety five percent of the content. So. If you guys are interested in Spanish content, then there's that. But I, the content I post for from a physical performance standpoint is for basketball players, but from a scholarship standpoint, is for everyone. So I post uh, things about the recruiting process and what coaches are looking for, and that's also a really interesting thing because I can sit down here at UVA and talk with Steve, which is the head coach of the women's soccer team. And I can talk to Steve about, hey, Steve, what are you looking in soccer players? Where do you go? How do you look for talent? And what do you look for? You know, it's for, for building a team around, like, do you build it around a specific player, around your style of play and all those things? It's, it's just it's just fun to hear, you know, uh, what coaches at this level are looking for, what I can do to help athletes back home. Yeah, that's cool that you have a like a deep personal connection to what you're doing too and it's really cool because like you said nobody's doing what uh what you're doing right because i mean i i couldn't imagine a a soccer like you said in puerto rico where you're only tracking like let's say goals it's like hold up there's so many other stats that uh that are being counted because they are important but they're just not being sent over or it's not being collected in in the right space or in it's yeah i i think it's very important for for all players to showcase their abilities to the best that they can which may or may not be points yeah and and every sport you know has their uh stats are a big thing right now in sports and analytics and all that and that's the way the the professional sports world it's going if if we don't start at the amateur level to you know get all those stats then Coaches are not going to be interested in players. At least I can speak to that in terms of Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, because let's say a coach, uh, you score thirty points per game in Puerto Rico, but then you go into a coach can say, "Oh, you're scoring thirty points per game, nice," but then uh, you're probably not going to score thirty points per game in New York, which was one of the best basketball states, or North Carolina. So they they look at those things. But if you have a really good three point percentage then that's just that translates to whatever you you play but if you don't track a three-point percentage the coaches are not not going to be able to know that information mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um finally i mean you, you've had um not the smoothest of experiences in, in regards to your your residency process and thank you for being open to to discussing that 
um, today. What's kind of been your, your experience in the past year or so? Well, when I was applying to residency, I had, uh, you know, I had some great people around me trying to, I asked them questions and I would say they, they functioned more as mentors in terms of my application, what I should be doing. And you're one of those people who, you know, helped me try to find the, the right residency for me. And you, I remember you gave me a really good advice that was when you applied to residency, you were looking for specific soccer experience. In my, in my case, I was looking for basketball experience. And I applied to places where I could either get that basketball experience, uh, at least I'd say if, uh, 10, 15% of the residency was basketball experience, and I'm good with that. And I applied to those places, but the residency, they tell you on March 6th, at least for this year. So I learned that I didn't, you know, get into residency and which, you know, it's, it is what it is. And you have to work with with what you got and right now i'm trying to look for other sports experiences that i can do in order to you know get this really good sports experience my first year of pt school by pt school my first year as a clinician and and right now i'm just looking for places in north carolina luckily i'm in, in the state or i'm in an area the triangle area has you know nc state unc duke has a lot of other sports where i can get experience so i'm not you know too concerned about getting my sports experience Nice. No, and I'm I'm happy that you know you're you're able to keep moving forward and pursuing your dream because I feel like in in public forums we we speak a lot about the the successes of of um, people getting in on the first try, but not too much of people who either take an extra year or take an alternative route. And um, I, I think that alternative route is is important for everybody to to try and explore because. That alternative route is likely going to be something that's tied directly to what you want to do um, in terms of either being specific to one sport or working in one area or working in one state or city. And chances are that path is something that you're going to enjoy it, which I think is very important for for everybody to do. But um, thank you for sharing that experience there. Yeah. And and what... Let's uh, switch here real quick. What would you be your advice for someone that didn't get accepted in residency and wants to work in sports? Uh, keep going. Have your alternative <laughs> route, I guess. Um, I mean, I wouldn't even say alternative. I would say have a plan to get to where you want to go and have a plan that is completely in your control. And... If you happen to get a, a special job or a residency, fellowship, whatever, that is worth taking your plan and chucking in the trash, then do it. But until somebody hands you that, that golden ticket, it's like, no, I got my own plan and I'm going to do it because I'm not going to wait for somebody to, to teach me how to get to where I want to go. Because otherwise, who knows? I'm going to be waiting, you know days, weeks, months, years for a special opportunity to magically pop into my hand, um, that's that's likely not going to happen. Um, so, you know, do your thing, do it well, um, get good at what you do and um, keep going and have your own plan to get to where you want to be. And if somebody gives you an opportunity along the way, it's okay. I still have my plan. You know, I'm going to put it to the side. Let's take on this opportunity and see where it goes. Yeah, luckily I'm still doing things with with the company that I have built in Puerto Rico, so that's something that keeps keeps me close to sports. And I wanted to talk a little bit about 
what content creation has done in terms of my clinical knowledge. And that's okay with you because I know, and you can speak to this, content creation has been one thing, at least for me, that has helped me, you know, if I'm doing content for ACL, ACL injuries, that's something I, you know, I gotta, I gotta search everything. I can't just post something online. That's my reputation there. So I'm searching the, I'm doing the research. I'm reading the research. I'm, I mean, not doing the research, but I'm, I'm reading and I'm creating the, you know, the infographics or whatever I'm posting. I'm learning by doing that. How do you feel when you post on, you know, uh, this page or your uh, Instagram page and how that, what that does to your clinical knowledge and your reasoning. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think it's different now than when I was still in school or when I first graduated because um, I, it, it's all about your, your target audience as well too. Um, whenever I'm posting, I'm not posting for other PTs or other strength coaches uh, or other physicians. I'm, if they want to watch and enjoy and do whatever, I'm cool with that. But that's not who I'm speaking to. Um, that's partly one, because there's enough people, in my opinion, that are doing that. And, and two, um, I think it's important to speak directly to the people that you want to help. And if I speak at a level that a physical therapist or a strength and conditioning coach, or a physician, surgeon, whoever, can read, listen, and interpret it, and have it improve their skill set, chances are I'm speaking at a, a level of medical terminology that most people won't even understand. Um, it's very similar to maybe people who work in sports medicine, where you're sitting on, you know, next to a treatment table with an athlete, you're explaining what's going on. And then let's say the ortho or, or the primary care physician comes over and you start explaining their case to them and you turn to the athlete and they're like, what did you just say? It's like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was speaking medical, you know, on my page, uh, whenever I'm speaking, I'm not speaking medical because if I am, that means my target audience is understanding it. Um, so because of that, the level of complexity of the things that I post is, is quite low. Um, and I do that on purpose to make sure whoever I'm speaking to is understanding it. And I completely agree with that. And But I do think that that's also difficult to do. Taking some complex thing and making it so everybody can understand it. It's also, there's complexity in that. And it also, you know, gets that clinical, it's, it's something that you use with with your patients, you know, whenever you read something, you read a research paper, you're not like, hey, so uh, in a research paper, they had 25 athletes do this, and then you, we don't talk like that, but we got to talk in more layman's terms. So that's, I agree with everything you just said, and I would say that's the most difficult thing, at least for me, whenever I'm posting content. Oh, yeah, it's hard. And there, don't get me wrong, there's certain things where I avoid altogether because I'm like, yeah, there's no... <laughs> there's no way this, this will convert, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah. Sometimes I kind of just let things go and I pick and choose what to speak about. Yeah. I, uh, something also that I wanted to mention here today, and since we're talking about my, uh, what I did in Puerto Rico and what I'm still doing with my page was that when I started that I had zero business knowledge, 
like non-existent at all. I'm just I I studied exercise science. I didn't do anything. I just had a class in management for athletic facilities and all that. And by the end of it, I was you know managing employees and I was managing the company taxes and I was managing the legal stuff that you need to do whenever you're with athletes. And if there's something that I would like to say here for anyone that's listening and trying to go more of the entrepreneur route, it's just do it. <laughs> Not to bring Nike into, <laughs> into here. <laughs> just do it because I've learned so much by just doing the things and not trying to go oh i'm just going to go and you know buy a course which which i've i've had but but i've learned more about whenever i have a problem just addressing that problem um searching how i can find for a solution and then you know just finding the solution and i've learned more by doing that than actually just sitting down and and studying yeah for sure for sure um, well, John, thank you so much for coming on the Soccer Fitness Experience podcast. Uh, if you had to give one takeaway for anybody who listened to this episode, just one thing for them to remember um, after turning this episode off, um, what would that be? That's a very good question. From what we talked about? Anything, anything. The floor is yours. Uh, I would say it's just, you know, Follow your passion, follow your dreams. Dreams. Right now I'm at UVA and whenever I got to wake up early and leave late, it just doesn't feel like work. And even though I'm an intern and I'm not getting paid, because <laughs> that's also an important fact, uh, because I'm doing something that I, that I love and I'm passionate about. And even though basketball is my main sport, but I love all sports, I just feel like I go in and, and I go in with so much energy uh, as opposed to some of some of the other places or things that I've done throughout during PT school, but I, I don't feel the same, you know, because the passion's not there. So if you if you have passion and you have passion for something, it's just going to make it way more easy and to keep learning and to keep growing and progressing as a clinician. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, well, yeah, once again, thank you so much for coming on the pod and everybody. Thank you for listening. Be sure to share this episode to anyone, whether it be a fellow student, clinician, uh, teammate, doctor, whoever, uh, who you think might be able to gain some value from this episode today. So um, thank you guys so much and we'll see you all next week.